Our Christmas series of messages on the backstories of Christmas, as was mentioned, begins with the backstory of angels. And our beginning text, at least, for this sermon is Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 7 to 14. You may follow along in your devices, your Bibles, or the projection on the screen. Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 7 to 14. Please hear the word of God together. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Today, as we begin looking at the backstories of Christmas, we want to start by considering angels and their part in the Christmas story. Before I get to the specifics of how angels were involved in the birth of Christ, I want to just overview in lightning fast fashion what the scriptures have to say, some of what the scriptures have to say about angels. I'm simply going to cite Bible verses and if you're able to write fast, good for you. If you're not able to go as fast as I am going, then perhaps you could review the recorded stream of this service to get the references. But let's see, what does the Bible say about angels, generally speaking? What I'm going to list off is not exhaustive. It's not everything God's Word says about angels, but just some of the high points. Are you ready? Angels were created by God, Nehemiah 9, verse 6. Good angels obey and do the will of God, Psalm 103, verses 20 and 21. Good angels worship Christ, Philippians 2, 9 to 11, Revelation 5, 11 and 12, and Revelation 7, 11 and 12. Good angels serve God's elect humans, Hebrews 1, verse 14. Angels were present and spoke when God's law was revealed, Hebrews 2, 2, Acts 7.53, and Psalm 68, verse 17. I go on. Angels served Christ when the Savior was on earth. Example, Matthew 4, verse 11. Angels announced Christ's resurrection. Matthew 28, verses 5 through 7. Angels are submitted to Christ. That's important. Angels are submitted to Christ. 1 Peter 3, verse 22. Angels will accompany Christ at his second coming. Matthew 16, verse 27. Angels come to believers in answer to prayer. Acts 12, verses 5 to 7. Angels are sometimes mistaken for humans. Pause and think about that. Some of you may have entertained an angel without even knowing it. Angels are sometimes mistaken for humans. Hebrews 13, verse 2. Angels rejoice over every repentant sinner. Luke 15, verse 10. Angels protect God's children. 
Psalm 34, verse 7. Angels fight fallen angel demons. Revelation 12, verse 7. Angels are never to be worshipped. That's important. Angels are never to be worshipped. They are servants to God who alone is to be worshipped. Revelation 19, verse 10. And angels are innumerable. We can't count them up. There's too many of them. Angels are innumerable. That's Hebrews 12 and verse 22. Now, let's look more specifically at at how God had angels be involved in the time of Jesus Christ's birth, the first Christmas, the incarnation miracle. Reynold Showers, who has written a very helpful short little book called What on Earth is God Doing?, which I commend to you buying. Uh, It's a wonderful book of tracing the redemptive story from Genesis 1-1 to the last verse in Revelation. And it's so easy to understand and so thorough, although it's concise. What on earth is God doing? Reynold Showers, Dr. Reynold Showers. I just want to read a short portion of Dr. Showers' book. Although Satan tried repeatedly either to destroy Israel or to make her totally apostate throughout the Old Testament times, God continually preserved a faithful remnant of his people. Finally, through a young woman who was a member of that remnant, the Redeemer came. An angel announced to Mary that her son was to be called Jesus, the Son of the Most High, and that he would receive the throne of his father David and a kingdom that would last forever. Jesus Christ was born around 5 or 4 BC. Thus, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth the Redeemer, born of a woman, just as he had promised in Genesis 3, verse 15. See Galatians 4, 4. Despite his many uh, frantic attempts to prevent the Redeemer from coming, Satan had failed. The person who was the key to the fulfillment of God's purpose for history was now present on earth. He had become human flesh for the purpose of putting away man's sin by the substitutionary sacrifice of himself so that he could crush Satan and the works of his kingdom. Now that the Redeemer had come, Satan's goal was to prevent the Redeemer from dying the substitutionary death and from establishing God's theocratic kingdom. So you can see that surrounding the time leading up to Jesus Christ's miraculous birth, that Satan was doing everything in his power to stop that happening. And then after Christ was safely born to Mary, you know that Satan continued to try to kill the baby Jesus. Uh, the, The infanticide that he ordered in his kingdom was so repugnant, but he did not succeed. And so how did angels factor into the first Christmas? Well, the scriptures tell us that God's good angels, unfallen angels, those that didn't side with Lucifer to try to do a coup d'etat in heaven, the good angels are woven into the incarnation story in several ways. Angels called Christ God. In Luke 1, verse 35, we see this. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. 
Angels called Christ God, but there's more. Angels predicted Christ's miraculous birth. For instance, Luke 1, 26 to 31. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And then another prediction of an angel predicting Jesus Christ's miraculous birth, Matthew 1, 20 and 21. But when he had come to consider this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, that is Joseph, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. Oh yes, angels predicted Christ's miraculous birth, but there's more. Angels announced Jesus' name in Luke chapter 1, verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And in Luke 2, 21, and when eight days were completed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Angels announced Jesus' name. Angels also announced Jesus' birth, Luke 2, 10 through 12. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. There's more. Angels praised God for Christ's birth. Luke 2, 13 and 14. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. There's more. Angels preserved the baby Jesus after he was born. Luke 2, verse 13 and verse 20. Listen. Now when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. And then skipping down to verse 20 in Matthew 2. Arise and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. So an angel told the parents to flee to Egypt, and when it was safe to return to Palestine, an angel told them that it was safe for them to return with the baby Jesus to their home country. Angels, at the time of Jesus Christ's birth, were wise. Luke 
2, verse uh, 14. Glory to God in the highest, the angel said, and on earth peace among men, watch it, with whom he is pleased. That's a careful nuance. That's a theological insight. The angel knew that the peace that the Prince of Peace came in the incarnation to provide through his cross was not a peace for mankind generally. You see, how do we have wars? How do we have crime? Because the peace that Jesus Christ came to bring is to those who are pleasing in his sight through salvation. You and me, brothers and sisters in Christ. Peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. That's the best rendering of the original Greek. And so someone says, well, how come if Jesus came at Christmas to bring peace, how do we have wars? How do we have crime? How do we have atrocities? Well, because the peace that Jesus came to bring is for those who believe in him with each other. And that's why church disagreements are so grievous to heaven. We go on. Angels at the time of Christ's birth were mighty. Psalm 103, verse 20. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Will you notice from Psalm 103, verse 20, that angels' job description is to perform the word of mighty God. They don't come up with their own bright ideas. Angels don't have creativity to do righteousness. They are foot soldiers, butlers, and maids to do the bidding of the word of the true and mighty God. That's important to notice. The mighty God sent his mighty angel Gabriel in Luke 1 verse 49 for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. So that's quite a list for a backstory on Christmas being angels. Good angels called Christ God. They predicted Christ's miraculous birth. They announced Jesus' name. They announced Christ's birth. They praised God for Christ's birth. They preserved the baby Jesus when he was under physical threat from Herod. They were wise. They knew that the peace that Christ came to bring was not a global peace. That's waiting the millennial kingdom. That'll happen in the millennial kingdom. But for now, that the peace is only between believers in Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. And back at that time, angels were mighty. And angels did the bidding of a mighty God. And so clearly, angels are a significant part of the backstory of Christmas. So what should we take from this? You say, okay, Pastor Rob, you've overviewed what the Bible says about angels, what they do, who they are, and now you've shown me in Scripture how angels were involved in the first coming of Christ, the birth of Christ, the miracle of incarnation. So what? How should this affect me Monday to Saturday? How should this change how I look at this week that's starting today? How does this change how we interpret a pandemic? Well, the first thing I would suggest is that we, from time to time, can thank God in our prayers for angels. And we can praise God for what God is telling angels to do 
for our benefit. That would be a good thing to do. To, in our prayer closets, thank God that there are angels that serve him and us and to thank God for what he is telling those angels to do to help us. What do they do? Well, they serve some of our needs by direction of God. They come to our assistance when we pray. They can visit us looking like humans. And they are continually, to this day, rejoicing over them, those who come to trust in Christ. We know from later in the New Testament that they look longingly into our salvation. So they rejoice even today over your salvation if you're saved. They're having a celestial angelic party because you're in right relationship with God through Christ. They protect us from time to time and they fight demons for us. Who knows what we have been spared by way of demonic attacks because God's angels have been deployed by God to fight those demons. We don't see the battle, it's invisible, but it's real. So the difference that ought to make in the first place that angels are a big part of the backstory of Christmas is that we are to thank God for angels in prayer and we are to thank God in prayer for what he's having his angels do. The second thing I would encourage us to think about doing in response to this sermon is to cooperate with angels. You see, how do I do that? How do I cooperate with an angel? Well, you can ask God to send angels to help you. And then you can try to be alert to see what happens. And if you feel that's God's intervention through an angel, you can praise him. And if God sends an angel to help you, you can be vocal about it. You can tell others about what you feel an angel from God did for you, giving God all the praise, not the angel. I've told you before that in the second pastor I had in Canada, around this time of the year, the fields were all covered with pure white snow. And bright, sunny morning, I was driving to my church office from my house, and I had to cross three railroad crossings on the highway. That's every day I crossed three railroad crossings going to my office and three railroad crossings coming home from the office every day I went to work. And this one day, it was a bright, sunny, sunny winter day, snow blanketing all the ground, and I didn't clear my windshield with windshield wash like I should have. So I had a streaky um, windshield. I could see, but there was a glare from the snow. And for whatever reason, I don't know, I didn't use my windshield washer, which I should have. Well, what happened to me at highway speed, one of the train barriers was down. Just tell traffic, stop, there's a train. And I'll tell you what, I didn't see the downed train barrier until I was within 30 feet of it, highway speed. I couldn't stop. And I crashed through the barrier at highway speed. I would estimate four seconds before the train came through that crossing. He was... God spared my life. In my stupidity, God was gracious and merciful to me. 
And so ever since, when I have half an occasion, I tell people that God spared my life. And he, he may have used an angel to do that. I'm not sure. But when I took my van, my minivan, to the body shop to get an estimate on fixing it, this seasoned body shop worker walked around my van. He could see on the crest of the hood near the headlights, it was damaged and dented. He could see that there was no other damage in the front of the van except that. And then there was a scrape and all the paint was off the roof, right down the middle of the roof. He walks around that van. And he, he looks at it. And I'm not saying a word. And he's just, you could see, he's so perplexed. He said, how did, you, how did you get these damages? How did you get these damages on this van? I've never seen damages like this. You know, the, the crest of your hood and then the roof. I said, well, that's what happens when you drive through a down train barrier at full speed four seconds before the train. He goes, you're kidding. I said, no, sir, I'm not kidding. God spared my life. He had his angels, I believe, in place to help me. That's a time to testify for Christ, right? So what does it mean to cooperate with angels? Well, maybe it's praying to God for him to send angels to help you in a situation. But then when you are helped, talking about God who sent the angels. How do you cooperate with angels? Well, giving hospitality to people that you don't know. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe an angel is going to visit Nassau this week. And Bahamas closed and Atlantis is closed and they need a place to stay. I don't know. How do we cooperate with angels? We have an opportunity at uh, Christmas. Christmas 2020 is, by all uh, accounts, going to be different than other Christmas celebrations for us because of the pandemic. And what I'd like to point out is that even though the ways that we celebrate Jesus' birth in 2020 will be different than they've ever been, the babe who came at Christmas is unchanged. The one we worship this Christmas is the very same as every other Christmas we've marked. And Christmas is a wonderful time because even the least likely to go to a church building tend to think about going to church on Christmas. Christmas time or Easter or Mother's Day. They seem to be the big ones. New Year's Eve for Bahamians. These seem to be the big ones that I see. But when it's Christmas time, we have a unique opportunity to talk about how much we love the celebration of Christmas, but more so we love the baby of Christmas and that Jesus is the reason for the season. Could I tell you about him and my relationship with him? May I tell you about why he came as the baby? May I tell you about the responsibility we all have of response to him in that he has come? So, we can thank God for angels and for what God is having the angels do for us. And we can cooperate with angels if we... Uh, understand how that would work. I close with two scriptures and then we pray. Hebrews 1, 5 and 6 says this, 
For to which of the angels did he ever say, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. The point of that verse is that God tells no angel that an angel is the son of God. That's reserved for the only begotten son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So angels, as good as they are, as, as useful as they are, they are always inferior to Christ. They are never called a son of God. Secondly, in closing, 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12, I alluded to this earlier. As to this salvation, your salvation, my salvation, As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful search and inquiry. That's saying that the Old Testament prophets, Malachi, Jeremiah, Isaiah, etc., they inquired about the grace that they came to understand would be coming to believers in the Messiah like you and me. goes on. That these who prophesied in the Old Testament uh, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Just think, Christmas 2020, we are so much further ahead in understanding redemption and salvation than than the prophets were in the Old Testament. They were longing to understand it. They were making inquiry about it. But we have tasted and seen that it is good. Amen? That God's salvation is good. We've tasted and we've seen. And so now we need to be walking billboards, walking advertisements, walking ambassadors to tell those without Christ this Christmas of the beauties of the babe who became the suffering Savior of the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this backstory of Christmas. And as much as angels were involved and angels continue to be involved, we know that you are the one who directs angels. They do your bidding. Help us, Lord, to worship you for everything, including your gift of the ministration of angels. Give us vocal testimony and witness for Christ at this special time of the year. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.